Hi, uh, welcome to the Not Entirely Perfect podcast. My name is Brooke Heim, and I come to you from uh, being one of the hosts of the former Two Feminist Mom podcast, as well as a reviewer on movies for the Board is Hell podcast uh, with the wonderful Andy and Adam. I want to welcome you to this new podcast. This is the Not Entirely Perfect podcast where we will be talking about the world around us with different guests every week and exploring the issues that are at hand. Um, I come to this podcast with a very feminist view on the world. So I see things from a feminist point of view because that is my world, not because I'm trying to make a statement from a feminist point of view. So as we talk about issues, um, I will be talking about them just as how they relate to the world and how we can help make them better. And I believe that feminism is truly about making the world equal for everyone, not better for women. So as we talk about things, it'll be about better equality for everyone. And that includes men and different races and different cultures. And uh, that's that's what this podcast is going to do. So I would like to welcome Andy. He's going to be my first guest. And please introduce yourself. Hey, so yeah, I, I am Andy Wilson um, of the uh, Board is Hell podcast. I write for Big Shiny Robot. I'm kind of just a super nerd. Brooke and I have known each other for like 20 years, like back to high school. And I'm just so grateful to to be here to talk about this, especially talking about these issues. And, you know, you mentioned feminism and I don't think that anyone should ever apologize from com for coming at something with a feminist perspective. It, it, it's just like saying like, hey, you know what? For 10,000 years of our human history, we have had an unequal distribution of where where the power is in society and where the influence is in society. And I think it's okay to stand up and say like, let's talk about this uh, for from the perspective of like 51% of the population instead of 49% of the population. Uh, because it really is, like you said, about being equal and creating equality. I I count myself as a feminist. Uh, not uh, obviously, I'm I am a cisgender heterosexual white male. <laughs> Putting that all out there right now, like ex <laughs> extremely privileged. Like uh, like let let's let's just say that. Um, but um. I count myself as a feminist because I, I agree. I believe in equality and our topics this week are just have so many implications for feminism. But, um, you know, I, I come at this as, as a father of a daughter, as a husband, um, as a son of a mother. And I care about these women in my life. I care about my female co-workers, my female friends and colleagues, and we should be equal and we're not. And when there are issues that come up that expose these stark inequities between uh, genders, I, I think all of us to speak up. Yeah. So just this week, um, we hit the, what did they call it? The equal pay day. So men yeah. could have stopped 
working at the end of 2015 and women would have had to have kept working until the middle of this past week to make the same amount that their co-workers and people throughout the nation of the same title would have made in the same amount of time. So that's alarming to me because yep. we're already through the first quarter of the year and that's a huge amount of time to, to equal out the same amount of pay. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to me being a single mother um, of a daughter. I currently live with my daughter and her half brother and his mother. And so there's, for lack of a better way of putting it, two single moms living in the same house, um, helping each other out in a, a scenario that most people would never consider entering into because it's confusing for one thing to a lot of people that we're all living here together happily but also like in our world today like we are both successful very motivated women with professional jobs trying to do our best to raise our daughter or our children my daughter and her son and um to know that the last four and a half months have been just to make the same amount as male counterparts like that is so frustrating like how like to know that we're struggling so much and and doing our best and working odd jobs and and extra hours and all these different things as professionals to support our kids moving in together into one household to to know that if we were men we may not have to have done that we may like in our same positions would have been just fine and the past four months would have been adding income like that's that's really um infuriating <laughs> it, so. it is it, it is really infuriating and you unfortunately live in a state with one of the biggest uh gender wage gaps in the entire country and you know as a as a former longtime resident of the state of utah um I attribute a lot of that to the predominant culture and a an older notion that women should not be working outside the home and it's just right. it, it, it's incredibly infuriating because you know oh you're you're a woman and you have a job like why doesn't your husband provide for you like what are you doing um, my my wife worked in education for uh, almost a decade while while we lived there and um, when when she graduated from from BYU in education uh, one of her one of her colleagues said you know as a joke but this is kind of true is that the state of Utah doesn't treat educators as professionals they treat it like a church calling so it's like you're here out of the goodness of your heart and we're gonna basically pay you like a babysitter um because yeah. you know and there's and your consolation prize thanks for showing up it's like it's like i guess we need to have you teachers here to like help raise the next generation and teach them to read and write but you know we're really not gonna pay you very well and we're we're not and and we have the smallest amount uh paid per pupil in the country and uh, you know that's just one of the ways that this shows up and it's it's absolutely ridiculous it is it's it's you know 
There's so many points um, that have come up in this sort of feminism uh, movement over the last couple of years um, where, where women just keep saying, well, I don't know why you're fighting for those things because if you were doing your duty as a woman and staying home and raising your kids, you'd be, you'd be so much happier than than trying to fight this fight. Um, I watched a I watched a clip of these two news anchors that um, got into an argument on air, and the guy just kept telling her, "Well, the reason you're not happy is because you're not at home. You're not a wife. You're you're not raising kids." You, you think you need to be a professional and so you're on the air trying to do these things but that's why you're so unhappy it's because you don't have a husband and the female anchor just looks at him and she's like are you seriously saying this to me is this really happening and he was like yeah if you would just find a husband then you'd be happy and she's like i had the opportunity to have a husband i chose i am happy and he's like no you're not really happy i mean if you had a husband like me then you'd really be happy and she's like what are you talking about but i think that's so insulting because some women do choose to be single they also choose to be single moms they choose to be single professionals but then there are other women who chose to have a husband who chose to make a family who chose to be that stay-at-home mother and something has happened they've either ended in divorce or become widowed or life life is not easy and streamlined you don't get to make one choice and to be done for the rest of your life and then you have these women who are being insulted by these crazy radicals saying things like if you just had a husband then everything would be fine like it's offensive to me because they're arrogant assholes but it is absolutely insulting and just devastating to these women who did try to do that and are still left behind not making as much not able to succeed and struggling to feel like their quote-unquote failure has put them even further behind and it shouldn't be that way it shouldn't be that way for anyone and i i think that people are short-sighted and don't see the true effects of that i i like don't believe was a conversation. I think you were watching like outtakes from Anchorman or something. Like, there's no way that <laughs> actually happens. Up. I'll put the link up on the on the podcast. But, it is unreal. I, yeah, but the sad thing is, is I know that that happens, and that's what's so ridiculous. It is 2016, and I just can't believe we're still having these conversations. It's like we should be flying around in flying cars and jetpack by 2010. Life was going to be like, and nope, here we are still like, well, um, black and brown people aren't equal in our country. Women aren't equal in our country. And we're still out there saying like, America is the greatest country in the world. And it's like, well, we I really mean need to get our butts really. on, on a lot of this stuff. Like, yeah. Well, and, and that's the other thing with the the equal pay day. Like, that's only for white women. Like, oh, yeah. If you were a woman of any other race or gender, you would have had to work into May or June to make the same amount as a male counterpart. So th there is a huge, yeah. huge gap. And it's alarming, to say the least. Um, 
and the, the fact that the equality of opportunity that it is minority women women of color who predominantly take low-wage jobs in this country as well and that is also not fair because you uh, feel that, like you don't have an option yeah well we don't have an equality of opportunity across race and across gender and and i'm sorry to interrupt you i know you were trying to segue into something else oh no that's fine i was just you brought up your alma mater um yep the great institute of byu um before we get <laughs> into the rest of this discussion i will say this is a pretty heavy topic for the first podcast uh so going into this i i do know that but because this week um it's just been a week full of alarming news. So, um, this week in the state of Utah, uh, there's a rape prosecution case that is being threatened by the BYU Honor Code investigation. Um, so, <sighs> fairly unlawfully, am I am I safe to say that? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, the, the it says in the main article that they lawfully shouldn't have the information. So there, there's a student who was, who was raped at BYU. Uh, someone, one of the sheriff's deputies, gave the files from the case to the BYU Honor Code organization, and um, they <laughs> are halting the prosecution of the case because of their investigation like they're trying to kick the student out of BYU which would send her out of the state of Utah which would make it um, not possible for the case to be cross prosecuted the way that it needs to be and they shouldn't have the files to begin with they're using code that was put in to the organization like the university organizations what was it are thinking of title nine legislative to title nine yeah so the reason that this exists is to keep perpetrators from staying on campus while criminal proceedings take place BYU is using that sort of oppositely against the plaintiff instead of uh, or against the woman who was attacked instead of the way that it should be used to try to kick her off saying that she broke the honor code they're giving all these details and they're, they're trying to kick her out of school instead of allowing the state to do its job um, unthinkable to me that a reputable university would do this I yeah. I can't imagine them putting their honor code above justice. And that's well, exactly what's happening. They feel like that's more important than like her morality and purity. And the fact that she broke the honor code is of greater importance to them than like prosecuting the man who attacked her. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot here. And, and I think we need to like unpack a lot of what is behind this story to really get at the heart of some of what these issues are first yeah absolutely what what's happened is absolutely wrong like i just don't think it's defensible at all and this all came to light because last week at uh at a sexual at a sexual assault awareness week event at BYU, the head of the honor code office defended the honor code and said like, yeah, we the honor code ahead of rape allegations. Like if, if you were, okay, let me unpack this even more a little bit. When you go to BYU, you sign an honor code document that says, uh, I will not drink alcohol, do drugs, 
engage in any sexual activity. If you're a man, you can't have any facial hair, uh, and your dress has to be uh, has to meet certain modesty standards. Uh, there's a lot of other things within it, uh, but those are kind of the basics. So every BYU student has to sign that, and where and it goes off the rails is there is an honor code office that enforces this and if you don't abide by the honor code you can get kicked out of the school which is kind of funny like we're gonna make an organization to enforce an honor code like the point of an honor code that it's on your honor but I, exactly. I get it i get it but i don't no i don't You're get it because this is okay this is something that I think Even is just incredibly to live important. on BYU student housing, if you're not going to BYU, you still have to live by the BYU honor code to live in an apartment. Yep. Which was mind blowing to me because I didn't go to BYU on purpose, wasn't for me. And to go to the school that I was going to, they were BYU housing was the only options because it has it's so far reaching in the number of students who are there that all of the housing has to be approved for BYU because they don't want to lose students. So even yeah. if you don't go there, you have to abide by it. And so every apartment, every house has to have this imaginary chastity line beyond which um, a female may not pass into a male's like bedroom or bathroom area and vice versa to keep the boys and girls out of each other's bedrooms, um, which is ridiculous to me because like that ever stopped anything, <laughs> but okay, <Sure>. fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So, um, but th my major problem with this is, is it should be an honor code. Carl G. Mazur, who was an instructor at BYU and was was well known, this is what they tell you about the honor code as an incoming freshman. They give you this quote where he says, I have been asked what I mean by word of honor. I will tell you. Place me behind prison walls, walls of stone ever so high, ever so thick, reaching ever so far into the ground. There is a possibility that in some way or another I may escape, but stand me on the floor and draw a chalk line around me and have me give my word of honor never to cross it. Can I get out of the circle? No, never. I die first. That is what the honor code is and should be about. There should not be any sort of infism. In my mind, the honor code should be between you and God, and yes. maybe your bishop. If if you if you think that that's if you what, feel like it should be between your bishop, yeah, exactly. But ultimately, this is about your honor. I mentioned I'm a huge I'm a huge nerd. I'm a huge. Recently, been rewatching a bunch of uh, Star Trek: Next Generation, and um, and Deep Space Nine, and the character of Worf, who is a Klingon. He cares so much about his personal honor. And he, that's, that's his whole world. When he gives his word that he's going to do something, then it's going to happen. If, if he says, uh, like, no, this is my code and I'm not going to break it, 
he won't break it. And for me, growing up in Provo and watching a lot of Star Trek, like that's what this meant to me. Like I was never going to do any of this stuff because it was my honor, because I said I was never going to. And that's what it should be. Now, now I'm facing a completely different set of problems. 20 years later, um, I'm processing a lot of this stuff. Um, I knew when I was at BYU about the problems of sexual assault on campus. I knew that it was a problem. Um, Brooke, I don't know if you remember, but there's a there's like a really hilly area down yeah. on it's like seventh north in Provo. Is, we we had a name for it. Do you remember? Yeah, affectionately yeah. known as rape. Like, oh my gosh! Like the fact that oh, it's like oh yeah, rape hill. Like we like that's what we called it, and and we didn't think about like what is going on that is allowing sexual assault to take place and we're not doing anything about it and now that i look back on it the honor code is a contributing factor and here's why because i mean i mentioned my privilege before in the beginning of this podcast it was my privilege as as a male to know that if i didn't get involved in any sort of sexual situations, I was largely never going to be in danger of being sexually assaulted. That is 100% privilege. Yes. And it's 100% male privilege. And, and that you would never be a woman, in jeopardy I, of the honor code. Yeah, and I'd never be in jeopardy choosing. of the honor code, ever. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Now, if you're a woman, that is so not the case. And if you want to stand up for yourself, if you are raped, if you are sexually assaulted on campus, then all someone has to do is make some sort of counter allegation. Oh, well, you were at a party where alcohol was being served. Oh, well, you came back into my bedroom and you shouldn't have. And so... and That gave me the right to buy, 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 buy. Yeah, exactly. And so there are so there are serial rapists on BYU campus and there have been because they were able to guilt and cajole their victims into not reporting it and to basically say like you don't want to get in trouble with the honor. You made this happen. You wore that outfit. I lost control of my man faculties and I couldn't help it and I just raped away. I mean, that's essentially what they were trying to say and they got away with it. And so much of the sexual assault that happens at BYU is acquaintance rape, is date rape. And it happens under exactly these circumstances and it is because of this kind of prosecution of the honor code. And I mean prosecution in the like, we're gonna take away your scholarships, we're gonna kick you out of school, that prevents a lot of people from coming forward after being victims of sexual assault. 
and that is just wrong and it's not something that i had really thought about or processed until very recently and that's awful and that's yeah. i can't i can't be, it's like i feel a lot of guilt actually that like i ever gave credence to this thing that i mean essentially i see it as a very like kind of anachronistic quaint little thing it's like oh yeah well of course i'm not going to like i i'm not going to get into any sexual situations i i'm not going to drink or whatever uh, but there are real victims here and um and and the honor code contributed to it well okay so there's a few things that i want to i want to hit on here one of it is the normalization of our culture that the other is this is the most astounding thing to me about this particular case is that you have a case that they are ready to move on and go to trial over um in and of itself that is huge so few times things get reported but of the ones that do get reported even less actually go to trial that means that they have a witness who is strong and who is able to testify that they have enough evidence to make a case for so that they don't have to be worried about it being slut shaming and be worried about it being about her actions like the state of utah just doesn't prosecute because the slut shaming rape culture is so strong here that they feel they will not be able to convict. So mo most often it doesn't go to trial. So they they have a case that meets all of these things and this poor girl like having been through this process to get to the point where they're at in her trial is absolutely destroying to who she is. Every week or every month, she has to go and meet with the prosecutor. She has to relive it. She has to retestify. They have to re-interview her to make sure that she's still a strong enough witness that she isn't faltering. Like she, the amount of emotional integrity and wear that is being put on this girl is like is unbelievable. And then to get all the way here and have her university that is ran by the religion that she believes in and that is probably getting her through a lot of this is going to derail this and stop it from proceeding because they want to make sure that it wasn't her fault and that they don't have to kick her out of school before they can continue with this legal process is so beyond me like I wish I knew her personally and that I could reach out and give her a hug and tell her I'm sorry and that people support her and believe in her um, because I know, I know that they've got to have 100% concrete evidence to be able to do this. Like I just, the fact that they're for an honor code that really was meant to be between her and God, that they have an organization that is calling her into question is unreal it's it's absolutely unreal and then getting back to the whole normalization of rape culture like there's a place called rape hill that makes it normal that makes it something you can just it's quippy and you could throw it out there and uh it makes it so commonplace to say that that it takes the severity out of what happened um I think that the over-sexualization of our bodies 
the fact that women can't have their shirts off, but men can, because the fatty tissues under our breasts just happens to be more than what there is on men. Like, it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, I really support the free the nipple movement. I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm just a nudist at heart because I just don't care. Like, <laughs> I wore a dress the other day and I had tights on with it. Um, and it was kind of short. So like if I bent over in the wrong way, someone might've seen my butt cheeks. Um, I don't care because every human in this world has butt cheeks. So I, I don't think that inherently my butt is sexy. Like I've seen it. It's not like, I'm totally cool with this. <laughs> like I just, the fact that just being present um, makes me at fault. Like that, that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me that just because I exist, just because I have a body and I'm female, it is my fault for existing and having a body. So of course men are going to look at me and ogle me. Um, that's ridiculous. It's absolutely. And I know that most people who would probably be listening to this podcast would probably agree with that anyway. So I'm not going to be blowing anyone's minds here, but um, I, I think that we have, there's so much sexualization in our bodies that it really increases the entire culture of slut shaming and rape culture. Like I had a boyfriend who used to tell me that if I wasn't so sexy, he wouldn't want to sleep with me, which on like face value is supposed to be flattering. Right. And I used to get really mad and I'd be like, you can't say that to me. You don't get to say that to me because it's not my fault that you're turned on. Like you don't get to make this my fault that you're turned on. Like if I didn't want to make out or if I didn't want to have sex or whatever it was, I'd be like, no, I'm not really in the mood. Well, if you weren't so sexy that I wouldn't want to. Eh, no, no, you don't get to say that to me. Like, of course we're together. Of course I find you attractive, but I'm not telling you that I'm not able to control myself because you're in thin proximity to me. That doesn't make any sense. Do you know what I'm saying? Am I just rambling? At totally. This point? No, no, I'm... <laughs> I've been I've been very quiet because I, I would have to plead the fifth on on a couple of things here, but the, those issues aside, um, but you're of absolutely... course people are gonna be attractive. Like, yeah. I have no problem with seeing a man like Ryan Reynolds. Hi, you're hot. I'm gonna think you're hot every single time you're around me. I'm not gonna run up and grab your dick just because I think you're hot. I'm not gonna call you out. Like if I happen to be within proximity to you, it'd be like, oh my god, the things I dream about you. Ugh. Like no, I'm a normal human being. I wouldn't say that to someone else. It is normal to have those thoughts. I think that we should be allowed to think that people are sexy. Like I can see someone and be like, god damn, Gal Gadot and Batman versus Superman. You, you did a good job. That doesn't give me any right to say that to your face or to express it in any other way or to attack you or stalk you or rape you like that doesn't none of those things are my right and i i think we should appreciate each other's bodies and personalities and minds and eyes there's one like all those things are totally normal raping someone is not normal yeah absolutely i mean i've i've often heard uh, people talking about it like we need to treat rape or we need to make rape the same way 
we think of cannibalism. That it's just, it's so outside <laughs> the norm that it's like, yeah, it's a thing that could potentially happen, but we know how awful it is. And the the issue is, is we've normalized it. That it's like, well, you know, female bodily autonomy is really not that important. And it's more important for a man to be able to sexually gratify himself but okay actually strike that reverse it because we need to unpack sex from rape that it, it's it it it's not right. it's not a sexual act it's an act of violence and power and that's mo far more what it is about and it is an extension of societal power and even in a situation which you know I've, I've heard a lot of people like who are former BYU alumni or, or people within the LDS Mormon community talking about this and people are like, oh, well, you know, it does happen. Like people get people get excited and they're in the moment and they sleep together. And then the girl says, oh, yeah, um, I was raped. And it was and the and the implication was that like, oh, she gave consent at the time and then she thought better of it in the morning. And I'm like, no, like that that is not the issue here. And we do not live in a society where we have an overabundance of uh, women making false accusation. Of Samantha B. Talked that, that's not it. Samantha yeah, B. She's like on one of her when one of her episodes she goes, um, there's this guy talking about it and he's like, Well, I think, you know, just a lot of women get into it and they're making out, and then they get scared and change their minds, and then they say they're raped. And she goes, Yeah, that's called rape. You get to change your mind, asshole. Like yep. you yep. don't have to go through that. You can stop at any point. Yeah, that's exactly. Hello. You just defined well, it for us. Thank you. We we had we had Kobe Bryant's um final game oh! in the NBA. Why is and everyone that, praising him? It makes me yeah. so angry. I mean, okay. but that is the perfect the perfect example. Kobe like Bryant you look Yeah, you but you look at the the what came out at the trial and the details and it was fairly obvious that this girl came in not knowing what to expect. And at a certain point, she changed her mind. And that needs to 100% be her right. And everything then becomes rape. And so, that is the issue. That is 100% the issue. Yeah, I was talking and, about that this week with, with some guy. And he's like, why would Kobe, rape, Kobe Bryant have to rape someone? Uh, that's exactly why he did. Because he's an arrogant asshole. And she got scared. And she decided she didn't want to sleep with him and he decided it was too late for that so yep. we're just gonna sweep it under the table because yep. uh, we don't want to talk about that because he's such a great basketball player and i've seen so many of my friends posting things this week about like women and men oh we're so sad to see him go and we used to watch this with my my dad and now i watch it with my kids and and what why are we praising this man why? We should be glad he's, first of all, he's an asshole on the court. He's good. He will never, ever have the character or be the man that Michael Jordan was. So, you know, kiss his ass for all I care. And third, like, he raped someone. 
And because yeah. it was more important for him to keep playing basketball, we let it go. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, well, I, I do not understand why people still like him. Well, and this is this is an issue at BYU as well, where a lot of the allegations of sexual misconduct and and rape for athletes are swept under the rug. Um, that that these things do there happen. There is no honor code for and, athletes. They they make yeah, them sign okay. it, but no one enforces it for the athletes. Period. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and there's a they're held to and a different standard were athletes there who have confirmed this. I'm not just making it up. I'm not just saying it because I'm bitter or angry. Like, they literally can do whatever they want. Yeah. This is, like, and every, I think every student who was at BYU who knew athletes know that this is the case. Like, I had a couple of roommates. Um, the, the last, right before I got married, uh, we had a couple of roommates who were football players. And, yeah, those... Those guys could get away with whatever they wanted. And like, I'm like, that's the norm at every other university. So I'm not saying I'm not singling out BYU here, but I am singling out BYU for the, the whole like honor code morality pastiche and pretending that we're somehow holding uh, all of our students to the same standards because it's just not the case and uh you know that's that's part of the problem here even going back to this this case that we originally started talking about the um you know the guy who turned over the case files to the honor code office if we give him the benefit of the doubt i'm not saying that this is the case or not. But if we were to give him the benefit of the doubt, he said he did it so that BYU could go after the, not just one, but two alleged rapists who were named in this. So, and nothing happened to these guys. I mean, no, we they're... don't know, we don't know who these guys are, but nothing happened to them. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, Ridiculous is even the wrong word for it. It's just obscene. Yeah, it it absolutely is. Uh, so I um I watched this. Do you, do you know who the fruitcake lady is? No, who's the fruitcake lady? I don't hear about this. <laughs> Someone posted a video. I got stuck in this YouTube video circle, like the like black hole last night. Um, someone posted a video of. Uh, a 1970s stand-up comedian she was talking um about some stuff and it was funny like but then it, it went on to like a hee-haw video which was not funny like i don't understand how that was humor to anyone <laughs> i was watching their jokes i was like how was this a thing ever <laughs> why were grown-ups entertained by laffy taffy jokes on television i don't get it but like, and then streaming and then when the jokes bomb, they could be like, "Ladies and gentlemen, Conway Twitty." <laughs> anyway, yeah. it was so, yeah. so, but then it it cut to this video of "Ask the Fruitcake Lady," and it's this she's got to be like eighty or ninety year old woman sitting in a chair watching a television that looks like it's from like nineteen. 
82. But you can see like the VHS case deck where they put it in. But the people who are asking questions are definitely from like today. Like I don't know how to explain it. It was so weird. I'll put a clip up with the on the website um, when we get done recording. But um, one guy gets on. He's like, "I'd like to know if I should get my 13 year old son a subscription to Playboy." And she goes, "What? What? No! What's wrong with you?" Your 13 year old son does not need a subscription to Playboy. He will go in the bathroom and masturbate until he kills himself. What is wrong with you? You No, you do not need your 13 year old son a subscription to Playboy. But then this other guy got on and he's like, I want to know why women are so mad at me when I check them out. <laughs> she goes, Um, well, obviously because you're doing it like it idiot like they're like you're doing something like you must be something is wrong with you because you've you must be an idiot and otherwise women would not get mad at you for this like you're doing something wrong this is you <laughs> not women <laughs> and i think that's very very true like it's not we can all admire each other without catcalling and without subjecting each other to weird awkward disgusting gross feelings does that make sense yeah totally so speaking of why don't we talk about our new favorite art exhibit yes and that's what i wanted to segue into so there is an artist um who has decided that this uncalled for this unasked for sort of gosh how did she say it? she said okay so she her name is whitney bell and she has a new art exhibit it just closed on April 17th. So if you didn't get to see it, which I didn't, I've only been able to see it through the webpage. Um, Cosmopolitan has an entire layout, like 292 pictures from this woman's art exhibit, which is awesome. And um, it's the unsolicited dick pic art exhibit is a hot throbbing mess. <laughs> and she says about this, so she, she would get these unasked for unsolicited dick pics from guys. They would just send them to her. And so she started talking to her friends about it. She got onto a couple of websites. She got onto a Reddit page and she started asking people questions like, are you being sent dick pics? Do you like them? Like, what is going on here? And the reason that she decided to do this is she got sent one particular photo of like a penis with like a shadow and she thought it was so beautiful and artsy. She sent it to her friend and her friend was like, wow, that's so beautiful. It needs to be in a museum somewhere. So she decided to make an art exhibit of unsolicited dick pics. And she set all of these pictures. She printed them all out and she, she made the setting look like her house. So she made a living room and she made a bedroom and a bathroom. And she, she put all these pictures up really artsy and like on flower backgrounds. And, um, and she said, this isn't dick hating or man hating. I love a good dick, I just don't love harassment, which is kind of the point. Like, um, as you scroll through all the pictures, one of the very last ones uh, says feminist. All it means is that you believe in equality. So like, she's not saying anything against men or penises or that she doesn't like them. Um, she says that she's 
personally asked for dick pics before, but she doesn't want to see a dick from some guy she's never met or someone I went on a date with when it's not condoned. So I just wish people could normalize everything about sex. Like our bodies don't have to be inherently sexual. You can be around anyone's body and not be an out of control raging 13 year old boy while still being extremely sexual with the person that you're in a relationship with and enjoying and loving sex like this this whole off limits of everything sexual in it and anybody in any place at any time has to be inherently sexual is just ridiculous to me i think it leads to harassment i think it leads to slut shaming i think it leads to rape i think it leads to a lot of the control problems that we see. And and she goes on to say in her article that the men aren't sending these pictures to get laid. They all say and admit this. They're not doing it because they think it's going to get them someone into their bed. They're doing it just because of the anonymity and because they have the ability to send unsolicited pictures and have that control make some woman see her penis or his penis. <laughs> her penis too would be funny, but... She, she had a friend who gave out, was on a, a dating website, and um, when she would be asked for a picture, she'd say, I'll send you one if you send me one. And instead of giving out her own email address, she started giving out Whitney's email address. So she started getting all of these emails of men's penises, and she couldn't figure out why she suddenly started getting all these pictures. She would just delete them when they came. And she went to visit her friend in LA. And her friend was like, have you been getting any weird emails? And she's like, oh my god, it's so funny you would say that. Because I have. Like, I've been getting all these penises in my email. And I don't understand what's going on. And then her friend told her the story about how she was giving out her email address instead of her own. And so it just sort of spawned this intrigue for her about why are men doing this? And do they what are they trying to accomplish and through all the reddit threads that she went on to it was almost entirely about control yeah i mean that's i mean maybe i'm maybe i'm too old-fashioned i'm i'm old man andy at this point but like i really don't understand this phenomenon um because yeah it's it's not like anyone ever said oh i just got an unsolicited pick here um I really want to meet this guy and I really I really want to like jump his bones now. Like so to me like maybe I'm being like way too hyper rational about like like sex and sexuality is just how I've like always approached it so whatever. Have you seen but, the movie The Sweetest Thing? You've seen it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the scene in the I cafe. Just, yeah. But I just I don't like I I mean I know I know I don't like it doesn't make any sense because it isn't logical because it is all about control and it's like i can make you see this thing that you cannot unsee and to think that like i i don't know that's just such a i mean but uh, that's why i i mean it's the same thing as like flashing i mean people don't like run around in trench coats anymore like exposing themselves oh that happened to me in a oh, walmart yeah. in 2010 this dude followed and, me around and really yeah 2010 followed me around walmart through the different aisles and when i i was like this is really weird and it was i got to a certain aisle it was a paint aisle 
And there was like no one back there. And when I turned the corner, he was just standing there with his pants down, stroking himself, like waiting for me to come around the corner. And I went, what? Uh, uh, uh. And then I started laughing, which didn't, <laughs> did not give him the result he was wanting. No, but... <laughs> I think that's the appropriate response. <laughs> and then I left and I went and I told the management, like I walked out and then I walked back in and I was like, no, nah. like I was so shocked that it had actually happened. But they pulled up the video and found out who he was or whatever. But and so that's weird. why I don't go to Walmart because that just happens way too often to me. That is exactly why. No shopping oh, at Walmart. Man. Oh wow! I just but I. It's, but can I just I say like if there were penises happens. everywhere, <laughs> like if there were penises like the European um, television and media has way more of it than we do here everything is no, so off limits and subsequently rape is a much bigger problem here it still happens other places but yeah. if there were just penises everywhere then what would be the point of sending yours like yeah whatever i've seen better <laughs> which i did say to someone once it was this guy that i met on i don't even remember which plenty of fish or I don't know some stupid dating website he started sending me pics of himself and then I I cut him off and a year later he sent me another picture like out of nowhere there was no message attached to it it just said hi and I opened the text message and there's a big picture of his penis and I went my boyfriend's is better <laughs> please don't talk to me again <laughs> like Whitney Bell and her exhibit, she, she tells people, she's like, if you don't want to see it, or if someone sends it to you, just send them a picture of a better dick. <laughs> like, and I think no, that's that, amazing. I think that's what we have to start doing. I think that is what we have to start doing. That should be, uh, that should be the new, the new common thing. It's like, yeah, well, I, you shoot, you showed me something that I didn't want to see. Now I'm going to. I, I mean, I guess that that's probably also not good because we're taking these like toxic males and like and like feeding on to like the this this idea of well, toxic and, masculinity. And whose penis picture are you going to send them? Are you going to have permission to be sending someone else's? Because I don't have one of my own, so but like <laughs> it 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 does route like spiral into a whole yeah bunch of yeah. But. Yeah, I guess there's other like consent issues there, but but I mean we we I mean uh, on one hand I do want to like I yeah let's shame these kids who are like doing who are engaging in this, but at the same time we shouldn't be like they obviously think that their genitalia holds value and like saying well yours isn't as good as this that probably doesn't help them. Uh, that probably will feed into more negative behavior on their part. So it's like, how do we, how do we come at this? I don't know. I just want to go out and like, sla how do uh, like, we got to like slap these people or something. Just be like, what is wrong with you? Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. And that's the, I, I don't know how we, I, I think you're right though. I think the normalization um, of, of everything would help everything so much more because again like taking this back to the BYU honor code like I'm currently engaged in the discussion with someone and she's like well 
I'm incredibly liberal, and this is like a in a Facebook group of like liberal Mormons, and she's like, I'm the most liberal person I know, and yet she goes on to like engage in all of this slut shaming, and I'm like, you know, if you were truly liberal, you just wouldn't care about any other person's sexual history or practices. Well, we just let it go. Comes, you know, in part from the word liberated. You're not liberating anyone by those feelings and emotions. You're just making them worse. So stop. Just stop. Yeah. Like, let's just, let's, I, I think it's like we all have to be far more tolerant and loving towards one another and, you know, allow people to, to make mistakes. And if, if a girl goes to a party and drinks, and goes back into a bedroom with a guy, none of those things are equivalent to saying it, it, she she should be allowed to be raped. And we need to separate all of these other issues out from the criminal aspects and, uh, and, and go after that because consent is the most important thing and people we need to refocus on that so that people people know what they're doing and people are protected. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Um, so I think the thing that, that got me thinking about it this week, because um, I saw that article, then I, I was looking through some old pictures with um, a coworker of mine, like we we're scrolling through some Facebook pictures. Facebook is weird. Um, because it, yeah, it, it is. goes so far back and you can see these things and um, I stumbled upon some pictures from October of 2009 and and I guess this is just kind of what I'll end on today like you're welcome to say whatever you want afterwards but um, I saw these pictures from 2009 I went to uh college like roommates reunion we all got back together um it had been a while since we'd all seen each other like we all met in 1999 so it was 10 years later and it was october of 2009 it was almost exactly a month after i had been raped and i was currently going through the process and the court process and the prosecuting and and all that crap um i had moved back in with my parents and i for lack of a better word i was a mess like a total disaster um and i looked through these pictures with all my roommates around me and it was a good night we had a lot of fun and i remember emotionally how i was feeling at the time like just thinking that i had to be completely transparent to everyone in the room like there's just no way that i'm pulling this off um i must look like i'm like i just i was really self-conscious of how I was coming across to everyone and going back through the pictures and looking at them they're honestly some of the best pictures of me on Facebook <laughs> like, I looked really good I was smiling I was with all these people that I truly truly loved and um, the face of rape victims is not easily seen and I think that that is a huge part of why the culture exists the way that it is is because you see these women who are trying not to let it get them down, who are trying to put on the smile and hide it and bury it and 
continue on with life because once it's over, it's over and you have to move on and you have to keep living. You, like, legitimately, you have to. There's, there's no FEMA for people who are going through these horrible things. So you, you have no choice but to keep working and to keep living and to keep striving to do what you can in your life. And um, I look at the pictures and I think no one actually would have known. Only I knew. And I think that that leads to people saying, well, then there isn't really anything wrong. You must really be okay. You probably made it up. And I, uh, one of the panels that I was recently on at Salt Lake um, FanX this past month was called Noncompliance and Feminism. And it's, it's about the comic book Bitch Planet and about how women who speak out or fight back or are in any way quote-unquote non-compliant to basically a 1950s culture of what women should and shouldn't be are sent away to prison and on this panel we discussed a lot of things about how to stay safe how to continue to be empowered and also speak out while not endangering yourself um and one of the the last questions that was asked was how how do we start to change things and one of my fellow panelists said the first step to making things better is believing women. Let them be truthful before you make them a liar instead of the opposite way around. And I think that is a big thing. We need to recognize that the face of it is not what you're looking for and just believe every woman. And we'll find the ones who who aren't truthful by default, but if we just started believing people first, it would make it so much easier to make a real change. I, I don't have much to add to that, except that, you know, I, I started off the podcast by acknowledging my own privilege. And I, I truly believe that one of the elements of acknowledging your own privilege is when you hear someone who is talking about facing some sort of inequity or oppression or violence, it's my turn to shut up. It's my turn to listen to that person and believe them and internalize what they are saying because they don't need to justify their oppression to me. And I think for those of us who have any sort of privilege, whatever whatever that privilege may be, uh, we all have some element of it. That when we hear someone saying, I feel like I've been victimized, I feel harassed, I feel oppressed, we listen and then we use whatever advantages our privilege gives us to elevate those people and their stories and try and get justice for them as much as possible. Um, and, and so I'm always going to listen to a woman who says that she was victimized. And or to I'm a always, man. Or to a man. 
anyone who says that they were victimized, I will absolutely, I will listen to them and I will believe them because you know what? I'm not the criminal justice system. I do not have to believe in uh, innocent until proven guilty. I, I am the United Courts of Andy Wilson and here I will listen to someone who is claiming victimization first and then look at other opposing arguments. I don't have to be dispassionate the way that the federal or that the criminal justice system has to be. I can believe someone first and offer them empathy first because my empathy doesn't cost anything. And, uh, and, and me helping someone get the justice that they feel that they deserve doesn't cost me anything. So, uh, I, I think that is truly where we need to go. I agree. I agree. Well, um, I think we'll wrap up for this week. Andy Wilson, I'd like to thank you for being a male feminist, for being on the podcast with me, and for being a friend and influential in my life over the last 20-odd years. Well, um, thank you for having me. This has been super excellent and allowed me to like talk about a lot of things that I've been feeling and not had a place to express them, so thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And to all the listeners, thanks for listening in this week. Um, I hope it wasn't too heavy for the first episode. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this first podcast. Um, if you would like to follow us, we have the Not Entirely Perfect Podcast.com that you can um, follow us on. And there will be an upcoming uh, Facebook page. I will be linking everything that we talked about today with articles and references. Um, if you'd like to look into any of them any further on the website and hopefully soon we will have the episode available on iTunes and Stitcher, but for now you'll be able to find it um, on the website. So thanks for listening and remember the time to hesitate is through. <gasps>